Greetings, friends from around the world. This is the Churches Changing Podcast. I'm Paul Nixon, and we're here today with Suzanne and Michael Katsky of Heritage United Methodist Church in Madison, Alabama. That is a city near Huntsville. Suzanne is also the Director of Church Development for North Alabama Conference. Michael and Suzanne, welcome to the Churches Changing Podcast. Hey, Paul. How are you doing? It's great to be with you, Paul. Good to, good to see you. It's good to see you. Well, we had a pandemic, did we not? Oh, didn't we? Yes, we did. And, and, and when we discount how many ever people are lurking online, the number of people that are left on Sundays in our buildings is down about 40% from 2019. In some cases, much more. A long-term decline churchwide suddenly sped up. Now, we haven't seen that in every place because every community had its own response to the pandemic. But among the populations that are conspicuously missing in many places are families with kids. The old folks came back and the younger ones not quite so much. So I've invited you all today to share with us because your church, Heritage, is a young church. It's not been around that long. And it's a young median age. And it's a church that had been growing quite well up until 2020. I think families make up a high percentage of your fellowship. So tell us, how did the pandemic impact Heritage? How long were you closed in terms of the building? And when people first started coming back, how did this disruption affect families with kids and their relationship to church? Where do you start with all that? Our church leadership took a very conservative approach when it came to the safety of the people at Heritage Church. And so unlike a lot of fellow churches, we shut down completely and went completely virtual as quick as possible. And how long were you closed? We were closed about 58 weeks. A little over a year. For the church being wide open. Of course, we did parking lot church and the online service and those kind of things. But we had a local tech company, a bio company. The president of that company attended our church and his advice with our leadership team was to not put people in danger. So our church took quite a conservative approach on that. You know, Paul, our church was only four years old when the pandemic hit. So we were a baby church at that point, and we were growing, and lots of great stuff was happening. And then poof, the pandemic in 2020. So without question, it impacted our young families. Do you think habits changed during that year? What happened with with some of these families during this disruption? Many of the families, I mean, we went down considerably. I mean, we we lost people by the time it all shook out, probably about 50% of the people in our that we keep track of in our church had gone to other places or just stopped going to church, period. So we feel that, you know, that was the one or two responses. You either got out of the habit of church or you started going somewhere else that was open because you desire, and many people told us that they desired an in-person church service. They didn't want to be on virtual for that long. I'm somewhat sympathetic to the people. I mean, they were making calculated decisions because they knew that church involvement was critical for their kids, and they were sort of figuring out, what are we going to do to keep our kids engaged in a Christian fellowship? The children that stayed home disconnected. They didn't do well in terms of faith development. So, I mean, I understand why a lot of families looked for places, even at some additional risk to themselves. I get that. Mm -hmm. But also, you have a lot of people in your church who just very recently were not in the habit of going to church. 
I think is that fair to say? <laughs> that 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 is definitely that is definitely correct. And what we've seen since we've come back from the pandemic is there's been it's it, it wasn't like you open the doors and the floodgates open. People have been kind of you know as they're getting their life back together and then they're starting to realize or maybe a one one little kid's telling another little kid about the fun they had at church. So it wasn't like a, 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 a you know one fell swoop. They've they've kind of just trickled in you know as as we've gone as we've gone through and as we've moved past. Uh, you know we say that we had planted this church in 2016 and. It took us three years to get it where it was prior to the pandemic, and then we got cut in half, and then now we're finally back to where we were before the pandemic. But it took us three years to do that, which winds up being a total of six years to be where we where we sit today. Yeah, so we stopped. It's almost like we we died, and then we had to come back. We had to replant the church for the last three years is basically what we've been doing. Well, that's what is interesting to me is the fact you did come back. Most churches have not. Mm. And I want to visit a little bit about what one of your strategies in that. But but you are a church that reaches people that, why do people choose heritage or, or participate in heritage that other churches may not have picked up? What 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 do you see there? I would say one of the things, and I'm, I'm sure Suzanne has her own point of view on this too, that one of the big things with, today's young families is they don't want a place that's not accepting and loving of everybody. And heritage has gone out of its way to be accepting and loving of everybody that walks through the doors, regardless of who you are, where you're from, what your sexuality is, whatever. We, we love and accept everybody. And we've been told over and over again by young families, we did not want to go to a place that did not accept everybody. That's one. Suzanne? I think it's accessibility. I think it's being prepared for families. Our church, if you, some people do Mission Insight and, you know, you can do Mission Insight, but there's also something called mosaics. And our two mosaics are generational soup. So that's like grandparents. But then our number one mosaic is kids in Merlot. And so basically, you know, we have the soccer moms and young people who, you know, like to hang out and you know, drink wine together, you know, whatever that may be. And so the whole church, that's kind of the whole church. The grandparents are all in on that. We don't have a lot of uh, older people in our church. We have just a lot of young, young people, young families and, and their, and their grandparents. And I think we've created a culture where the church is accessible to people who don't maybe know anything about religion. And I think that comes from the fact that Michael and I, neither one of us were raised in church. And so it's accessible. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to come here there's an openness, there's some authenticity that none of us have all the answers and people are looking for that. And then additionally, I would I would say that we work very hard to make sure that the messages all have life application, something you can take and put into use um, in your life each and every week. To our listeners, I want to just make a little explanation in case you're not familiar with Mission Insight. That is a a demographic service that is offered to multiple denominations within the United States based on big data from marketing and so forth. And there are about 70 some odd demographic lifestyle niche groups called mosaic groups. Suzanne referenced two of those, which are kind of groups that you've discovered yourself sort of specializing in, in Madison. Mm -hmm. And and, and they have cute little names assigned. One was some Moms and Merlot, is that what I heard? It, it was Kids and Cabernet. Kids and Cabernet. Kids and Cabernet. Cabernet, wrong wrong brand. That's it, that's it. <laughs> okay. she, she just changes the lineup every once in a while. 
Yeah. But anyway, you, you so I, I mean, I think one of the things we just learned there is that you have done some study of lifestyle of the people that you're reaching. That's right. Correct. Those are the two fastest growing demographics in our area. Okay. All right. Well, you started a sports ministry, and 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 I remember visiting with you about that when you were starting it, and I don't recall it being a COVID response thing as much as just another good thing that made sense in order to build relationships with kids and families. But tell me about your community sports ministry with children. For the longest time, when we got this property, there's 16 acres here, and we had some time ago, when we first got here, built out one of the fields as an athletic field. And that took that took a chunk of chain. We never were able to get anything kicked off other than little events that we would do for the community to utilize that field. And we would loan it out to community people. But we always had something in mind to do something that would reach our community with those athletic fields. And so we have one big, giant, multi-purpose athletic field right now. What kind of sports do you do, you do out there? Or do they do? That we do uh, all kinds. We do flag football. We do cheerleading. We do t-ball. We do soccer. Oh, and then uh, as an extension, you know, not everybody has a ball field on their property. As an extension of that, we partner with the local elementary school because we don't have a gym. We just have one building, and we run a basketball league in the winter when it's too cold here to be outside. So, so we we we're, we go year round along with volleyball camps. Yeah. Yeah. We try to spread it out. It's, it's a very developmental. We advertise it that way as a developmental league. This is for kids that wouldn't get to play very competitive sports, which there's a lot of them. Out there. Mm-hmm. But kids that just want to play a sport without having a, having a whole lot of skill to get there, but just want to have fun. Yes. That's probably a, 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 a huge untapped market of, of children right there. I was just going to add that it wasn't a response to COVID. It was the recognition on the other side of COVID, that people weren't coming back to us, that we were going to have to take the church to them. And so that's when we, you know, started Uh, saying, what is a way that we can get in relationship with people who may never come through the doors of the church? And so for us, it was, you know, an experiment and an effort for us to understand and to teach the congregation that the future of ministry is not what happens inside our walls on Sunday morning. It's what's happening outside the walls of the church. Our, our prime intent, as Suzanne was saying, it wasn't to get them to come to church. That wasn't our, our church. Our prime intent was to bring the church to them. And we have, while we'll have things that try to bridge people over, that isn't what we're really there for. We're really there to get into relationship with them, share Jesus with the kids that are there and the, the parents that help uh, coach and things like that. What happens in a ball game? I mean, I come there, my kids are out there. Is there a prayer? Is there a devotional? I mean, what happens? They go for the first half of the time they're there. The, the, the younger ages are there a little bit less than the older ages. And we go from 4 to 12, depending on the sport. So the younger kids say you're there for a whole hour on Saturday. And that's another great point for the parents, too, that it's practice and play is all on one day. And so for the first 25 minutes or so, they'll practice a sport. They practice basic skills. And then they get with the other teams and, we'll, and they have a devotion in the middle where the coaches sit down. We make a devotion book for the coaches and the coaches will read the devotion and have a small group time with all the kids. And then the last half, they'll play, they'll play the sport with another team. Very cool. So this is a, a, what I heard you saying, Suzanne, is a, about going out and, and 
catching people in the places in life they might be. You're creating a space, really, that didn't exist in that it's very low competition sports for what I would call normal kids and um, who aren't on the way to being on the NBA, you know. So Mm -hmm. you go out, you create these spaces. They don't have to come in the church house. You know, we have all these preschools all over the United States where people do come in the church house and we're doing ministry with their kids and we don't see one of them crossing paths with any of the other church ministries. Why is this different? Than a, than a typical church preschool? I think it's different in a way because we view all the kids that are in that sports ministry as our kids. So anything, you know, you know, a lot of times it's like, you know, church kids and then the other kids. Well, all these kids are our kids, so they're invited to everything. And, and we've just had crossover, something we didn't think was going to happen. You know, we have a, we have something every year called the Boo Bash, and it's just a big Halloween blowout. And, you know, the Sports League kids came to that. We have a concert series that we host every year for the community. The sports kids and their families were in that. And so any anything that we have, they can, you know, be a part of. But also that some of them have wandered into the church because they've made friends with some of the coaches in there. They made a connection with a church family that was there. It was interesting about it. If you look at the total population of kids that we've served, and we, we're we're a year into this now, and and we've learned a lot of lessons along the way, and we we still haven't figured it all out, but we're working at it. But the the our kids that come out, our sports kids, and and our kids, and all the kids that are together on Saturday mornings, only ten percent of those kids are actually attend this church. The other ninety percent are kids throughout the community. So it allows us just to be in relationship with them. And I think it's all about the relationship. We have a community blog in our community. And just yesterday, somebody asked, where's a good place for my seven and nine-year-old to go do sports? And here we are, a year old, and there were, you know, the there were responses, some of the heavy hitters, the AYSO, those kind of things, and a local uh, commercial company. But there, people were like, I, I, I've been, people said, I've been hearing really good things about heritage sports. And so, you know, we had three or four of those. So word gets out in the community, and and that's kind of the beauty of it for us. Yeah, I just got a chance to look at our database. And if we, we separate out the Heritage Sports parents from our parents, and they're, they're classified as Heritage Sports parents, parents and children together over one year is 564 in our database. Just one year, our first year. So it's a massive reach for the church. So... What are you learning as you're getting out there and building relationships with families? And, and I mean, part of what I just heard is there's relationship going on as well as other community next places to go that still don't assume we're, I'm going to walk into a worship service. There's you, you, You've mentioned several kind of community sorts of gatherings that I could hang around in that orbit for a while before I ever wandered into the to a worship setting. What, what are you learning that might be helpful to others in terms of how to connect with kids and families? I think hospitality is key. And, and I think because you have to acknowledge that long before people care what you believe or want to believe what you believe, they have to feel like they can belong. And I think making people at home and helping them feel like they belong, creating little pockets of community for them, even if it's not directly inside the church and going going to worship and attending and being a member and all that, it's still a community that you're creating out there for these parents. I remember when we were sports parents, 
we followed our daughter all over the place and she became a collegiate athlete. When we lost the high school community of her playing, we lost a lot of friends. That was our community. Hmm. I think also for the church to be outside the wall and partnering with parents, you know, there are a lot of kids who aren't going to play in college, as you mentioned, Paul, and they need a place where they can learn and experiment. And because we offer a variety of sports, it allows parents just an easy, you know, low entry. We charge for this. We have two directors that we've hired who are well-known in the community and well-respected in the community who run our leagues for us. We charge it. It kind of, you know, pays for itself, which is wonderful. And I think that what it's done for us, at, for the church, you know, there's a lot, the church gets a lot of bad press these days. And it's it's raised awareness of a church that is not invested in its own growth, but is invested in the growth of the kids of this community. And with that being our demographic of people caring all about kids, I mean, in many ways, caring about kids is certainly sharing the gospel in, in, the, in the community in which we find ourselves. Yes, the crossover for both of those demographics was the development of their children. One of the reasons that I find this interesting is because in my own journey in ministry, some 24 years ago, we started a community sports league. And we had a similar kind of response. We, re- we, we built relationships and reached a lot of families. A generation later, there's not many things that still work a generation later. And this is... This is one of the things yeah. about this yeah. that, that is just True. really interesting to me. It's like, that's still that's still working. But but at the time that we did that, people asked, why is that effective in terms of building relationships that people are crossing over into other church experiences? And one of my, I guess, theories at the time was that we had designed our ministry really for the population that we were serving. It, our ministry was designed for the community more than maybe it was designed for longtime church folk. So, and especially our worship service, which some people would have found a little bit, a little bit outside their comfort zone, especially when we were first planting that church and we were throwing a beach ball around before the service to get everybody just to relax and not be so uptight because they weren't used to being in a church. And there's just a lot of places where you would never throw a beach ball around inside a worship a worship room. But do you think? that your ministry design is part of the reason why when you build relationships, people come on in. I mean, because you've been very intentional about the way you design your time, both with the children and with adults. And I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? I feel, I feel like uh, the, the desire to be in relationship and see, they can be a part of this because we ask the parents to, to volunteer. They can sign up. We run background checks. They can coach. So for some of them, it's the first time they've walked through the doors of a church in a very, very long time. We have a single dad in, in, our, in our sports ministry who, who now attends church here, and he had two kids. And so he comes into sports. He winds up coming to the Halloween event. He comes to a Christmas event. He comes to an Easter event. You know, he comes to a VBS event. And now he's coming every Sunday. And it, so it's not instantaneous. It's just over time, and they see the opportunities for their kids in the midst, and their kids begin to make friends with some of the kids. So they walk in, and we know who they are. Our sports, our sports ministry directors know who they are, and so so it really just kind of it begins to connect them in a way that maybe they don't even realize that it's happening, but but it happens. I think it's also developmental for the 
the parents that are there. Yes. When they get to participate, it's not just the children, it's the parents too. Uh, the devotions, I'm sure as a seminary trained pastors, we would do those devotions great, right? But it's a whole other thing when a volunteer parent is trying to share a devotion, probably for the first time they've ever done it with a group of kids. And there's something just pure and wonderful about that. And one thing I would add too, Michael, is that we get, this is, to me, this is just an unexpected benefit. You know, when you get ready to do something and then it happens and you're like, wow, I never saw that coming. Our sports directors, because they have such connections in the community, they have a lot of the kids who are really, really good and who could go on to play in college. They come here, they play club soccer, they play football for the local high school. They come and they coach some of these younger kids. Oh, how cool. So not only are the kids yeah. not only are not only are the kids we're trying to reach being developed, these young people are being developed because they're being they're being given the opportunity to be leaders on the field with these other kids. It's a beautiful it's just a beautiful thing. I get goosebumps when I talk about it because it's just a beautiful thing to watch how God can take a, you know, all of this and kind of throw it together and do things that you didn't even expect in the middle of it. One of our soccer coaches, one of the young ladies from the high, local high school, isn't a Christian, made it a point to say, I'm not really a Christian. Is it okay if I do this and help coach and stuff like that? And we're like, yeah. I said, just do the devotion. If you don't want to be a part of the devotion, you don't read it. Let somebody else do it if it's against whatever religion you are or any religion you are. But she keeps coming back. And that's the beautiful part of it is that she keeps coming back. And so, I again, just the vibe you put out the that's just full-on acceptance, love. We just want, we're here for the kids. Let's do this for the kids and help them kind of develop at the same time. You know, we can talk a little bit about faith and Jesus and it's accepted among the parents, even the ones that aren't Christian, that that's part of this. This is what we do. We tell the parents ahead of time. It's not a bait and switch or anything. And so I just think it's great. I think the the kids, parents, everybody's being developed and anybody that volunteers for it. And, and I think the accessibility is really important. You know, a lot of times these families are busy. They work full time. They're trying to raise their kids. They're trying to help them with their school and all that. And, you know, for some of them, the whole weekend of sports, now some people do, their kids are super gifted and they go do the club and there's nothing wrong with that. But some kids just want their, some parents just want their kids to be able to do something. So for them to be able to come in, our seasons are short. We run six week seasons and then you can flip and do a different sport if you want to do, want to. At the end, they get, uh, they get these little pins that they can collect. And you know how kids like to collect their little trophies and all they, they get all the things they would do if they did like a 12 week league, but it's in a short, um, shortened time. And they also, you know, they build their relationships and they also get to hear about Jesus and they pray, the coaches pray with their teams, do the devotionals and it's just, and, and, and I love seeing, uh, I, I have photographs of during basketball season, some of our youth in the local high schools with their little basketball teams surrounded and our young people, our young teenagers are leading these young people in devotions and they're having conversations about God. It's a really neat thing to watch. Yeah. It's a win, 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 win all the way around. Yes, a thousand percent. Friends, I'm, I am here with, with Suzanne and Michael Katsky from Heritage Church in Madison, Alabama, and we're talking about community sports when ministry as a way to connect with families, which is really a critical issue all the time, but especially right now because so many of our churches are losing connection with families. Now, at, at Heritage, in the last couple of years, you have built back kind of the, the gaps. When you came back into the building, you had a lot fewer people than you had before, but you've built back. Is it the same people coming back or is it a new batch coming in? Or a little of both? 
I would, I would, you know, I, I always say I, we've been watching these numbers the whole way because it's always important to know your numbers and where you were this time last year and all those kind of things. We've been watching the numbers, and the phrase I like to use now is "we're back." So we're back with about an extra fifteen a Sunday, <laughs> extra fifteen people on Sunday now. So we're so we're moving back into the growth trajectory we were experiencing when we were four years old when we went into the into the pandemic. And so it's a it's a it's exciting to watch as they're as the families are coming back. A lot of the people, Paul, when they disconnected from the pandemic from us, they connected to another body of Christ. And that's fine. So there's a lot of new people, but also what happens is maybe they were connected somewhere and you know, life moves on and they're like, you know, I really kind of miss heritage. So we do see some people, you know, kind of coming back that way. But 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 things appear to have settled down to the Growth we're experiencing now is settling in is, is, I would say, pretty new growth. What would you say, Michael? I, I'd say a, from what we learned from a lot of people, we go through kind of a, a heritage one-on-one class when new people want to join or think about joining and what the church is really about. A lot of the feedback we get is we were watching you the whole time. Hmm. They saw the outside services. They watched online. And it's this silent group of people that want to get into a church, but want a church that they, they feel like they can be in agreement with, that they feel is safe for them and their families, and they were watching us. And so they they creep in slowly, but they start to creep in, and they're, they're like, okay, we're going to go try them now. We feel safe. We're going to go try them now. And thankfully, they didn't come back all at once because all our volunteers left, too. Yeah. So we lost. We had to rebuild every team we had. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a listener and I'm in Denver, Colorado, or Miami, Florida, or Portsmouth, UK, and 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 I'm thinking, well, this is cool. I, I'd like to explore further and maybe try something like this with my church and my community. What are some good next steps? Well, certainly if you're in the U.S. or if you're in another part of the world and there's some kind of demographic place that can give you some information, but that you know you don't stop there it wasn't just that we did mosaics we live in the community so we have an understanding and we are well aware that what matters most to people in this community is their children and so you got to you got to do that research i would also say if you wanted to start a sports ministry that we did not model ours after upward sports that we modeled ours more along the lines of a commercial national company that reaches a lot of kids through sports ministries and so you would maybe find who that is. And then I would call some churches who were doing it. There were several churches who were doing it. I mean, Paul, we had a conversation with you uh, when we would do it because, like you said, you had done it 20 years earlier. So I would call other people and and have somebody on your resource speed dial you can call when you have a question as you're, as you're figuring it out. Yeah, we received a lot of resources from some of our some of the people that mentored us along the way are these folks that have the, the ministry that's been going for quite a while. And they, they shared their resources freely. It was great. And, and I would also say find the right leaders. Yes. The leaders we have are uh, two sisters. Uh, they're in their 30s. They're uh, professionals. They have full-time jobs. But they coach all the time. We, we met them actually through our daughter who started a volleyball league here in town. And they were coaches for her. And they started to come to church here pre-pandemic, but these two are amazing. They know all of the coaches in the area. They know all the schools. They know a lot of the players. And so their reach is big into these schools for like student coaches and things like that. And they have a lot of respect built up with you. 
from my own experience back in the day, I do agree with you about finding right local leaders. We found a person who had worked for YMCA's and and and, and knew how when no one showed up for the basketball league, how you shook the bushes in the neighborhood to get the kids and to get the parents engaged as well. So, I mean, he brought experience. Your people are bringing experience in the world of community sports with kids that, that, that when questions come up, I mean, you've got, you've got a little bit of expertise there. You know, that's Mm -hmm. really, really helpful. We did, we did put it out to the, to the ether that we were hiring and we got a couple of applicants, but when you're just starting a venture like this, it's hard to get somebody that A, knows what your church is about, knows your DNA of your church, and B, has much experience. So we were so blessed to find that these two stepped up because I think, Suzanne, weren't you asking them if they knew somebody who would be interested? And they kind of raised their hand. Yeah, that's always a good way. Do you know anyone? <laughs> Hopefully you. <laughs> and another thing that, that's happened, too, is that the schools are supportive of this. I know that in a lot of areas of the country, it can be hard to. You can't take your church into school, but you can take sports league into school. Just recently, the schools have just gone back, in fact, this week. And Monday night, they had an open house in the three elementary schools close to us. And Heritage Sports had a table at all three of the, you know, local extracurricular activities wow. that you could be a part of. So that allows us to be in relationship with all those. And when you talk open house, I'm talking each school has like a thousand kids and all those parents and family. And with all the little extracurriculars they could be involved in, there was a Heritage Sports table. And that's a win for the church, too, for us to be out in the community and uh, letting people know that we care about their kids. I would also say that this church for a long time has a history of supporting schools, students, and especially teachers, doing nice things for the teachers at the beginning or the end of the year, collecting school supplies. We've always been that like that because Suzanne was a teacher for a decade. And so our focus has always been on that. We have a number of teachers that come to school, that come to church here, and administrative teachers and administrators that come to church here. And two principals. Yes. And so it doesn't hurt to have friends. <laughs> yes. Friends, Suzanne and Michael have taught us some stuff today. So those who have ears to hear, (laughs) please hear, (laughs) please hear. Yeah. You may even want to listen to this again. I think the two of you have really given us some very strong clues that it's not necessarily rocket science. No. About what it takes to connect with families, find an area that you know is an area of high interest where you can help them meet a need. And you've done that. And it's not just the need for low low competitive sports, you're offering six-week leagues. You're offering practice and game on the same day in one trip. I mean, mm-hmm. in a, for busy families, you know, maybe we, play, maybe we do play pro baseball, but when it's soccer time, maybe that's perfect for us, you know? We don't have to, mm-hmm. to go, you know, varsity all the way in every sport. So mm-hmm. it just seems brilliant that you're providing a niche that's not there that becomes a front door Heritage sports in three elementary schools at Open House. Uh, yeah, and it doesn't have to be a sports league. Anything that you can create, community surrounded by an, uh, surrounding an interest over a period of time, and it's your church people that are in that helping bring it in community, and it's a wide open one. You don't have to have faith to be there. Anytime you can do that as a church is a win. Yep. Sounds outstanding. I do have a, I, I, I have this belief as I'm working with churches across the English-speaking world, I do have this belief that the nature of so many church ministries 
is shifting right now mm. from simply being to direct programs for church family, rather to be ministry to the community. And I'm seeing that shift in my church, the way we're creating our, our staff positions now. It's, it's community-focused primarily and not just to organize church activities. And I hear that clearly here. It's, it's being directed out to build relationships and to just claim those, those kids as part of your gang, you know? Exactly. There are kids. There are kids. We've been in the walls way too long. It's time for us to go to the people. And I'll say this, as a pastor, nothing energizes your ministry more than to be out with the people. Out with the people. I would uh, look at the sign right above Suzanne's shoulder there. It says, if you're going to reach people no one else is reaching, you have to do things no one else is doing. And we didn't sign up for this to be purveyors of Christian goods and services to people. We signed up to reach people with Jesus. And so it's a difference. Absolutely. Thank you both for sharing with us. Friends, this is the Church is Changing podcast. I'm here with Suzanne and Michael Katsky from Heritage Church. And we've been talking about reaching families, in particular through sports ministry. But the bigger story sounds like just get out of the walls of the church Mm -hmm. and find ways to build relationship with folk. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome, Paul. Thanks for having us on. Thank you, Paul. And if if we can help anybody with some resources, feel free to get with you and contact us. We'd be glad to help. Very good. Heritage Church, Madison, Alabama. They can Google you. And um, Church (laughs) is Changing is a ministry of the United Methodist Church. Church is Changing podcast is a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Music is by Sanjay Singh. Visit all our podcasts at podcast.umcdiscipleship.org.